No need to whine and try, need to lose up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, this is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast, and I'm like over the moon excited because I have some of my very best friends here with me today. I have my book club. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thank you for joining me. This is really like so exciting for me. (laughs) Excited. Let me introduce each one of you. Um, I have Jamie Potash first. She is a wife mother of four and many fur babies. I have eight from last time, Jamie. I think, are you at nine? We are standing at nine. (laughs) Okay. So I'm like, this is old. She's not at eight anymore. She manages a very busy home on top of fitting in her job at Bella Kids. She's super insightful and I can't wait to hear what she has to say. So that's Jamie. Jamie, thank you for being here. For inviting us. So next is Kristen Siopa. She is a wife, mother of two, hairstylist, avid reader, and organizational master. (laughs) I am sure she's organized her amazing thoughts on the book for today. Hi, Kristen. Hello. (laughs) And last but not least is the fabulous Tayton Brannon. She is a wife, mother of two, and fabulous project manager at Market Domination. She just happens to produce my podcast, so I love when I can get her in front of the camera. Hi, Tayton. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I suckered you into coming in front of the camera instead of all the work you do behind the camera. So we read, this This book was my choice, and we have said no self-help books. So my apologies to my book club. I really thought, okay, we love the Holderness family. This is the Holderness family's book, Everybody Fights. So I was like, you know what? I can get a kind of self-help book past them if it's the Holderness family. <laughs> it's an entertaining self-help book. <laughs> it's an entertaining self-help book and, and we enjoyed it. And I really did try multiple ways to get the Holderness family on here with us. I did not succeed yet, but I am not giving up. And they are so, they're so busy. I mean, I didn't expect a response, but I'm going to keep trying. So you never know, ladies. <laughs> did, did you ask for what you want and give them a because? I, th- <laughs> I think that I should be more specific, 
But um, I have a couple more tricks up my sleeves that I will tell you later, but I am still trying. But we, this is what we read, so we're going to talk about it. And um, there are so many topics to talk about. They talked about so many good things about marriage. Um, it's always good for me to read about marriage and parenting and family. So let's start with their rules of fighting, which I thought was fascinating that they have rules for fighting. Do you ladies have rules to your fighting at home with your husbands? <laughs> I do, but they're very simple. Like I give agree. us an give us an example. I agree that you should fight in front of your kids if you are healthy about it. Like your kids definitely should witness conflict resolution in a healthy relationship. Um, we don't have any of our major, major fights in front of them, obviously, but just, you know, little day-to-day -day ones, they see this stuff. Um, the one rule that is fairly new is that we just have learned to give each other space because oftentimes you just need the space to cool off instead of pecking at it and pecking at it when it's clearly not the time to be doing that. <laughs> Those are my only rules. And, you know, yes, to, yeah. to be kind, like, be fair and be kind about your arguments. So she she's bringing me to my second question with what she said, unless Jamie or Kristen wants to chime in. Are we good? I'm going to move on because um, Tayton took us to the next question. Um, they talked about the sympathetic nervous system. And I actually haven't spelled this out to Seth, but I will. Um, Seth is my husband, for those of you who don't know. Um, so have you learned to identify when you are not in a good state to fight? And before I throw that out to you guys, I want to, I want to say, <laughs> I want to say what Tayton said is so important. It was the key to a shift with Seth and I, because Seth would badger me to talk when I wasn't in a good state. So I realized I had to tell him and teach him that I have to cool off before we talk, which is like huge with us. That's new. Mm -hmm. So um, do you guys, are you able to identify when you're in a good state to have like a more productive fight? <laughs> I'll let you guys I, I have an answer, but go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer this because there's so many multiple ways of arguing that you know, it could be minuscule to hands down, let's get the gloves out, you know? Um, and of course we always say, oh, don't fight in front of the kids, but we do. So what can we do? It comes out, like you said. Um, I think that most of the time we d definitely need to walk away for sure. And then come back. Like I kind of, um, if I get aggravated, I'm definitely not the type to kiss and make up. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't or go down like that maybe, Which we'll get to later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Penn and Kim talk about how we can't have a necessarily good conversation when we're like scientifically they talk about the research behind like we can't have a good conversation when our sympathetic nervous system is like I gotta get away from you or I want to rip your head off <laughs> well and it, it, it definitely boils down to what tone do you take to start this process so and Jamie and I were talking about this like if he has his claws out mine are coming out like right then and there like it's kind of like 
if you're up here, I'm up here. And if you're down here talking like calm and cool and collected, then I'm going to have the same tone like, oh, you're just talking. Um, I probably get a little defensive where I don't mean to. And it's, it's hard to control that because he'll be like, I'm not yelling. I'm just trying to talk. So I tend to be thinking that the conversation will escalate into a argument or fight or whatever. So I do tend to pounce, which after 26 years, I still can't control. <laughs> <laughs> We're always evolving, right? We always yeah. have work to do. Yeah. I will say that a lot of it is, um, it's tone setting, but it's about being able to also read the other person. So I talk loud, I talk fast, I tend to be excitable and animated. And uh, some people think it's yelling or shouting, but I'm really just trying to be heard um, or to get my thought across before I forget what I was going to say. Um, I think it depends on what the fight is about. Say, I'm going to address this right now because I feel like some things, you know, I'm not going to remember how I felt in an hour from now when it's okay, you know, with you at four o'clock after your show is over, you know, or whatever the case. I Sometimes I feel that you need to address things right then and there if it's really an issue that's a reactive it's something very relevant um you know some things can obviously wait like if you have to go on the computer and check something or if you have to have a private conversation because you don't want kids to hear what it is you're talking about um if it's really like a sensitive topic versus a full-out fight like a reactionary fight um you have to really be able to gauge the situation what is this pertaining to and you have to read the signs of the other person you know what's their body language what is their you know do they have patience for it or not are they ready to explode or not um, you have to know how far you can put, press it before you get yourself in more hot water. Um, but you definitely don't want to say something you will regret because that's the, you know, that's the thing that will put you over the edge and you can't always come back from that. Yeah. So I think I echo what you say, but yeah, it's about, it's a matter of like knowing where where you are like are you going to be unreasonable and just say things that are unfair and hurtful and not you know conducive to making the argument count for anything um or you know you just have to kind of read the room literally <laughs> yeah so, i agree yeah. <clears throat> seth has gotten good at saying oh boy i better not talk to her right now <laughs> which comes with marriage like the longer you're together you really really can read the signs like that's definitely something we all get better at the longer we've been with our partners so that we can hope we're for all, that we're all uh, pros at it by now <laughs> oh my gosh I know how many how many years have we all been married Tayton you start <laughs> we've been married for 17 we've been together for 20 almost 27 27 yeah wow it's a long time <laughs> long time long time I think Kristen has Kristen how many years have you been married Sophia here has been married <laughs> 26 years together 27 years wait what we got engaged after four months of dating got married oh less God. than one year later that's a long time to be married that's impressive so and we dated while we were married you did. You totally. We we still date, right? I still date my husband. For the first five years before kids, we dated though. Yeah, you know, during marriage because we just kind of knew. That's yeah. awesome. What about Jamie? How many years? Uh, we've been together since '01, um, and we got married. Uh, we've been married for 18 years. So, 
we've we've all been married a long time mm-hmm. I actually I had to do the math today is that terrible <laughs> same thing with your age like I like how old am I now I don't know like how many years <laughs> how many oh years gosh. Rebecca so in my we, 30s right <laughs> so we've been married for 16 and we've been together for 17 so it was it was quick it was quick okay let's talk about the word meta communication I love this word talking about how you and your partner communicate. Do you do this with your husband? Like later on, do you talk about how you communicate? It's like having a meeting about a meeting. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I love the play-by-play. I love analyzing. I love being able to identify and to label, but uh, mine does not want to engage with me on any of that. Mm. It's very ABCD, what happened? How do we fix it? What are the choices and resolution at plan to action? That is all. I get it. Yep. He's like, let's move on. <laughs> yes, there's there's no deliberation or you know, over blowing it out of proportion, none of that. It's very systematic. <clears throat> but that's why I have you. <laughs> right. We do we do analyze it, don't we? Yeah, um, I'm good at doing it after we've calmed down. Like, obviously, you know, if we're both in a place where we're not going to be productive about whatever we're disagreeing on, then we give each other some space. And then when we're calmed down, I will definitely, I'm good at voicing. I'm, I'm always the one who brings it up. So, like, if it were up to my husband, we would just forget and move on, like, <laughs> until I annoy him again or vice versa. Um, But I always want to like analyze what happened and be like, this is how it made me feel. And I'm sorry, I trying to see it from your point of view. So I'm definitely the one who kind of spearheads any conversation like that. Um, But it's always afterward, either when we're no longer mad at each other or we've just calmed down enough that we can, you know, be a little lighter about it when we're discussing things. And of course, there's always, you know, the moments with where there's a serious conversation, in which case, you know, we set aside time and and sit down and have that serious conversation. So that is what like a therapist would tell you, Tayton. They would say, talk about it after, way after the fight. I can't talk about it during the fight, but way after the fight, I'll be like, well, I did this wrong again. Um, you know, but then I also try to focus on what am I doing right? Because if I talk about what I'm doing right, I can build on that and do that again. But um, you won't be surprised to know that Seth loves to analyze stuff with me. But you guys laugh a lot together too. Like you, like, you know, when you come around and then talk about it or whatever, you do tend to laugh. Um, I have and you all know Joe is Mr. Communicator. So when you talk about, do you communicate after you fight and talk about what you fought about? Yes, for days. <laughs> and then the, then, the, then the question is, is why are you so defensive? <laughs> because you brought the claws out. <laughs> what can I say? Oh my gosh. My feeling is, my feeling is, is that if someone doesn't want to engage with you, then there are things that they either don't want to say, or they don't really like communicating. Um, I have no problem saying whatever it is that my deepest, darkest feelings, 
I don't mind sharing that, but I think, think the other person doesn't. So well, um, sometimes that's like a, a defense mechanism. Like if the person's really feeling hurt, that they feel like they're not going to be the one to initiate any kind of healing. And I'm just not going to talk to you. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the sharing of emotions or feelings or any kind of an analytics at all, even if it's not an emotional statement, I feel the sharing of that is too closely guarded. And like, I need a sparring partner. Like I need to get up there on that beam and I need to spar with you. I feel like I've always felt that way. And you know, it doesn't have to be combative necessarily. It just has to be like a volley, like a ping pong match or a volleyball match. If I hit the ball over the net, you need to, you need to hit it back. I think Jamie and Kristen are sparring masters. <laughs> well, Kristen has a partner who knows Taekwondo. So I guarantee <laughs> you there's some engagement going on. There's definitely some sparring equipment in this house. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that Jamie forgets that Ari is really good at balancing her out. And I, and I think that even though it can frustrate you, I think that you need him to be, you know, at a different level than you. I think yeah, it's he, a good, bring, I think it brings you back match. down. I mean, yes, I agree with you in that regard, but I really, you know, sometimes I do, there was something that was just in the, one of the later chapters I listened to about being heard. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, did you hear me? Um, and just, just in mundane things, it doesn't have to be, you know, did you hear me that I said I wanted a fifth child? You know, not that kind of an important statement, but did you hear me about the idea I had or about the, you know, whatever it is, I just, you know, the feeling of being unheard or unseen or um, disregarded. Um, that's, that's a big one. Um, and I'm surprised it came so late into the book, to be honest. The, the very valid point. I, I know, I know we're going to talk about this, but I really was impressed with how real and open and honest they were. Like they really yeah. throw themselves under the bus in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're also very in tune with each other and they're not afraid. The, the two things, the two factors are fear. Like, so what three things hold us back? Time, fear, and money. So the fear of saying something that you might be ridiculed for or rejected um, is, is a lot of what holds people back from doing or engaging, but also the communication factor. It really, really boils down to communication. Can you mm -hmm. express yourself? Can you accept to listen to what the other person has to say? Um, you know, communication is really the solution to pretty much every war there was ever started. Um, if you just go and talk to the person they will, if they sit and hear you, then you can hash out a solution. Um, it's when people go in like guns a blazing that people die. It's mm -hmm. very simple. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that one of the worst things that I, worst things that I do when I'm fighting is one of my favorite lines that they talk about is that I don't stay in the airport. Okay. <laughs> so I will be pissed about A, but then I will start dragging in B, C, D, E, F, G. How do you do with just staying focused on the topic and staying in the airport? Me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Kristen. You just totally described Joe and I. So um, he stays in the airport and like you, I drag in A, B, C, and D, but again, I get defensive and 
like what Jamie said, they don't, they don't mind hearing like your deepest, darkest thoughts, but they don't need you to bring up a story that was relative to kindergarten about this fight. <laughs> like, in other words, like, why are we talking about this? Where did this go? Like, it totally got off the beaten path. That's me. I love tangents. I feel like I need to add them to make this story complete, even though they're not necessary. And um, I'm learning. I'm learning. That's audiobooks help me with this because I it teaches you to listen and that's definitely been a big key over time not just in my marriage but in general like for myself listen and of course being a hairstylist and having conversations with people you listen and then you talk um but in general going back to the airport yes I <laughs> must leave the airport and he stays there <laughs> Going on a trip. See you later. <laughs> but I like when he says that. I like when Seth, if I'm in a good state, if I'm in a good state and Seth says, um, can we stay focused on the topic? Yep. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of going off to something else I'm That's true. mad about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have definitely sure. learned to stay in the airport. I have not always been that person. Um, it, yeah, it's definitely part of the growth process with your marriage is, is learning to focus in because I find the more you reach out and like, pull, you're, you're basically pulling things as ammunition to hurt them. Like you did this and you did this. It has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Sometimes it does. And it's worth bringing up because if it's like a pattern that keeps repeating and repeating and you get like, that's pretty much the only time I stay in my airport, but I think, or don't stay in the airport. <laughs> But I'm still going to the same journey. It's like a connecting flight, maybe. <laughs> still getting I'll to see the you journey. In JFK. <laughs> oh my gosh! Keeps happening. Oh One thing in the book that they bring up about, like how they fight, is um, he mentioned saying, "Like I feel this," instead of saying, "Well, you did this and you did that." Like it brings into the key element of your feelings and how they can be validated versus more of an accusatory statement. I didn't say that word right, but, um, you know, like, um, and I, this is the one thing I did learn from this book is trying to rephrase that. I'm going to try and use that. I feel this instead of I feel that you could please put your dishes in the sink when the magnet says <laughs> dirty after I just cleaned the sink versus, you know, the magnet's dirty. <laughs> or says dirty. <laughs> because I know, I get frustrated. I yeah. know. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think it's important to fight? They talk I, about I that. I think if you, if you didn't, you would just build up build up and the mm -hmm. dam would break and all help would break loose and uh, uh, everyone would be like oh my god what the heck is happening um i don't think it's healthy at all to to keep everything in yeah it's it's a litmus test of your relationship like if you're constantly on each other that's one thing but if you get to the point where you're complacent and people you know your partner does stuff that upsets you and you're just like whatever or they're like, whatever, I know it hurts your feelings, but whatever, like that to me is, it's bad news. Um, things are not, not going to be good if you continue that way. So 
um, it's important to fight so you don't get to that place of resentment or complacency. And it's a way to kind of air your grievances. And um, I, the key thing that they've said a few times in the book is that your partner isn't a mind reader. And the longer you're together, the easier it is to forget that because you guys know each other so well but you never are gonna be able to read each other's minds. You might be better at anticipating how somebody's gonna to react to something or how it will make them feel, but you still have to say what's on your mind. So that's why fighting is important. Well, also, I mean, advocacy for what you're passionate about. So if you're really passionate mm -hmm. about animal rescue, like why are you gonna go let your husband walk off to the most expensive breeder in town when you're like, no, 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 wait, let's discuss this, you know, let's, look at all the avenues and let's discuss what's important to me, what's important to you. You mm -hmm. have to hash it out. Or if it's a school related thing with your kids, like, you know, there's not always a clear role of which parent takes which role. And sometimes you need to have that hash out session because, um, you know, one person might take on like, the secret contract. One person might have a secretly contracted role of I'm always the disciplinarian or I'm always the, these two subjects are mine and these two subjects are yours. Um, and if you're not passionate about something and you don't want to stand up for you what you believe in or what's important to you, then and the fire goes out, then the relationship could be very quickly dead in the water. So, so true. Passion so true. equals, you know, making a stand, but also wanting to work toward a conflict resolution. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they say you got to grow. Like in the very first chapter, they talk about it's it's important to learn how to grow from your fights. And that's, that's the, the key part. Like, yes, it's important to fight, but not if it's just leading to nothing and, and more arguments and more dis, you know, dislike for each other. It's, it's a way of communicating. It might not be a pleasant way of communicating, but it's one of the key communication factors in a marriage is, is fighting. It's just the way it is. We do it with our kids, we do it with our parents, yeah. sometimes with our friends, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Well, and you started us off with talking about fighting in front of the kids, and it's so important for so many reasons, but, you know, like Seth's parents didn't fight in front of him, so he knew nothing about fighting, so we would fight, and he would be, like, so upset, and I would have to teach him that it was like a normal part of a relationship and it shows how much I care. Like, I'm fighting with you because I care so much, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? it's true it's true um fight in front of your kids <laughs> hopefully hopefully respectfully fight in front of your kids yeah. that's that's key like that's the the golden rule in fighting in front of your kids don't ever disrespect your spouse because that's not okay in front of anybody don't ever disrespect your spouse in front of anybody exactly I love that <laughs> yeah Okay, so stonewalling. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> My husband is the king of stonewalling, I have to say, which is why I'm the one like, okay, we're going to talk about this. You're not getting away with this. We're talking about it now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's really torturous to people. Are, are any of you stonewallers? If I, for a very brief moment, like if, it, if you compare it to like a blinking contest, I lose every time. I, I don't have the stamina to be a stonewaller for more than like a day. <laughs> so I I have had to shift. Um, Seth would have told you I was a stonewaller, but I realized I wasn't trying to be a stonewaller. I was trying to decompress. So I've relabeled it to I I have to say, 
I want to talk to you, but not right now. So that helps him not feel stonewalled. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like saying no to your children. I'm not telling you no, you can't go to the, the game. You just can't go tonight. So you can go to Saturday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of putting it off until it's more convenient for your own self or until you've had a time to think about your thoughts and how you're going to present your argument or your uh, position on the on the matter. But um, I, I can't stand to be shut down. Like, you know, when people just go run and duck and cover, I just like, I, I think that is like the weakest. I hate it. I honestly, it just drives me insane. Mm-hmm. Like people who have no response, like I, it makes no sense to me. Like, how do you just not respond or, or shut down someone trying to have to engage with you? It's not like I'm, you know, someone knocking at the door trying to sell you magazines, you know, I, <laughs> It, what I have to say is valid and it, I, I would like to be recognized or, you know, acknowledged. I think yeah. sometimes that's, that's uh, how it works. Like they, a person who's really good at stonewalling with somebody who doesn't like it, they weaponize it because they know that it's pissing them off by not engaging. And so they're like, yep, not engaging. You've made me mad, so I'm not saying anything and you're gonna get mad about that and you deserve it. That to me is very childish (laughs) and it's very immature. And you know, I always I always ask for what I want and I and I and I cite many reasons, the becauses. Um I just it just makes no sense to me that people can just get away with that and think that it's okay. Um, well, do you, I don't know if you guys know who John Gottman is, but he's got, John Gottman is, but he's one of like these big marital gurus in my world. And he talks about the four horsemen to marriage and stonewalling is one of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he says it's like one of the worst things that you can do for your marriage. So. It is. I think it, it stems from, like I said before, it's, it's a defense mechanism. Some people just aren't they they aren't equipped with the communication skills and right. when they haven't developed them then stonewalling is like the easiest sure way to avoid you know diving into something that that's painful and hurtful to them my, so my question is like what are you so afraid of you know it's, <laughs> I, I just fear to me does not register i have no fear i don't mind or have a problem talking about things that are either sensitive topics or you know, that someone doesn't want to say that word or, um, you know, even in this, in the sex chapter, you know, like there really isn't anything so sensitive that I can't just come out and say it. Um, and it's not like I'm just talking to my very, very religious neighbor about something. It's, you know, we've had these conversations. We know each other well. There shouldn't be a, an off limits. I mean, I understand the timing issue. Like, no, I'm not having this conversation. I have a conference call in 15 minutes, but, um, yeah, you know, there, there just has to be more of a, a, a willingness to be participatory in the conversation that's needing to be had. Okay, oh. so jump to jump to the sex chapter because <laughs> I, <laughs> I am always floored, myself included, I'm guilty. Why do you think sex gets pushed to the bottom of the list when we know how important it is for our marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I know why. I'm just going to say it. I think everyone assumes that the other person is just going to make the first move. Mm. I think it's one of the reasons or, or that like, it'll just, the whimsical, it'll just happen. Um, which is great when you're like a teenager or in your twenties or you're just, no kids. Um, but that's a 
long time ago mentality. Yeah. Um, I have to I actually just this came to mind. I wasn't even thinking about it before, but where they were talking about a woman's brain and how it's constantly on and on and on. And I think the more hectic your lives get, the more your brain just goes, goes, goes. And it's really hard to shift gears from like, I've got all these things going on that I'm thinking about. Like even just to go to sleep is, is hard sometimes, but to be like, okay, let's have sex. Like sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Um, for me at least. It's true. <laughs> Well, it's very true. Um, it's like it's going also... from having all this stuff to um, be, okay, I'll just get romantic real quick so that I can yeah. move on that, or back to the list. Like that. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Um, I also think that it's, it's uh, my theme here is the litmus test, <laughs> that it really, um, when you're not feeling connected to your partner, and oftentimes the more busy you are and the more you've got going on, chances are you're probably in some kind of conflict about you know, who's doing what and who's more busy and who's taking on more responsibility. Um, and when you stop feeling that connection, then that's like the first thing to go is that intimacy when really it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, I like what they say is, you know, when you make time for it and schedule it and just, you know, put it in there as an expectation, then it, the rest of the way is a lot easier. So, well, uh, I, was, I, I was also going to say, um, it's really hard to do all those things with all the noises that are accompanied with <laughs> the activity. Uh, when you have teenagers that, whose bedrooms are very close to your own, we, the walls are not fully insulated. I can hear um, my kid talking in the next room. It's probably not the right yeah. time. Oh, I boy. would say the level of paranoia is very deep for me. It's hard. I having teenagers makes it a whole new ball game. There's no bedtime. So I, I'm ready to go to sleep and he's screaming at his friends on his computer. I'm like, you really should go to bed. I know, mom. I'm like. <laughs> So what do you think of scheduled sex days? It's, it sounds like a huge drag, but honestly, like, I'm like, <laughs> if you have to do it, you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll, you'll, you'll grow to love it. Right. You know, <laughs> like a gym. If you, if you have to do it, once you get Am there, I going to be in the mood on Wednesday? <laughs> well, it's maintenance. And then you know yes. that if, if Wednesday's your day, you know that you've got to get in that shower. You got to go shave. <laughs> got to use your special lotion. I shave my legs for this. Whatever you have to do, you got to prepare. Wait. So what? What was it? Was it Little Fires Everywhere, where it was yes, Wednesday and Saturday? I thought of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so Seth jokes all the time about Wednesday and Saturday because of Wednesday. Little Fires Everywhere. <laughs> yes. I, I I really like spontaneity. It really, I really like it. Um, I like I variety. I, I don't know that scheduled days would work for me, but I do see the benefits. I think people who it's schedule it- It's a starting have, point, well, I think. It's not like, okay, for the rest of time, we're gonna have sex on these nights, no matter what. Like it's <laughs> it's a means to an end. Like if, if you're having an issue with it now, then that's that's your vehicle to get there to where you just are having it more spontaneously so. why do you guys think i do so much laundry <laughs> <laughs> to make yourself it's aware six of laundry tonight <laughs> and make yourself present <laughs> um no that's like their code word um 
I think <laughs> it's in the book. That, Read the book. You just have to like, you know, give give the other person a heads up and say, look, you know, uh, what are you doing? Two a.m. Meet me at the uh, meet me at the middle. Um, yeah. But I, I think you have to start with that. But like, some people can get away with like. I, I used to look over the banister and I used to give him a signal because it was nap time for the kids. But he was downstairs watching TV. And I'm like, we need to utilize this dinner bell. Put, put a movie on. Or, you know, you need a sex bell. bell. He, could see, he could see me. I would just walk over and I would flash something. And that was code for, you know, pause the Get show. Here. Business time. Pause. So, pause the yeah, show. That's right. So that's awesome. I think oh. I think when there's a will, there's a way. I think that you have to schedule it in there, even if it's not regulated, it just has to be like in two hours from now and in 10 hours from now, whatever yeah. works for the Google calendar, the shared Google calendar. Um, I just think that you have to put it as a priority because it is a connection. It's another tool, it's a, connect a connectivity tool. And, you know, it obviously is. the means of communication and it's important for, you know, mommy, daddy time, you know? <laughs> um, I love that jingle. That was like, brilliant um, <laughs> i i just think that people who who don't do that um you know they're missing out um well, i i would say ahead. that oh sorry no go ahead um i i think it's funny that um a marriage has become a afternoon delight for people who do have kids who are like they're mm -hmm. at school and people are now working more from home and you know they can flip the switch it, it kind of does make it easier on both both parents because when you crawl into bed at 11 o'clock at night there is no like you're just wiped you're too tired you're thinking of tomorrow's meeting and what am I gonna wear and is everything clean and for women it's like okay did I do I have enough food in the house we got to pack lunches like what are we having for dinner and where do I have to be who do I have to go get what do I have to do and who has to be xyz like where do they have to be um so afternoon delight is definitely become more of a staple nowadays it improves <laughs> the chances it improves I the agree. chances yes well and Kristen, we joke about this all the time you and i i love that they talk about how they are as a couple when they are having sex versus how they are as a couple when they're not having sex. Like our husbands, we joke about how irritable our husbands get when they're not getting sex. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, Tate and agree. I know. Um, so I think we're just nicer to each other and like each other more if we're having regular sex. It's true. Okay. I have to tell you my, <clears throat> when my kids went away for a week this summer, my husband and I had a great time while they were away. The <laughs> and when they got back, my son was just like, why are you guys hugging and kissing all the time? Because like, you were on we vacation and so were we. <laughs> <laughs> Even my kids could notice that we were a little different, like definitely more connected. So it, it's Aww. very important. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fully guilty of, of being the first person to let it like get on the back burner. I'm too tired. I'm too stressed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I know. I know. No I, think, I think it is interesting, like for, especially for women, cause we're definitely more hormonal, but I think it's interesting that what we um, 
put first over having sex like Mm -hmm. oh I want to finish this book or I didn't shower today or you know just like I don't know a million things could be a million things the list the to-do list is too stuck Mm -hmm. in your head you can't escape it whatever I find it it's interesting with men where they're like I could use some stress relief (laughs) Well, it's like the the thing with falling asleep. Like my brain, it takes me a while to fall asleep, like at least 30 minutes. And my husband, as soon as he hits the pillow, he's out. Yep. And I think it's the same way with sex. Like I have a million things going on. It takes me a while to like shift gears with him. It's just like, okay, the minute. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Do <Yeah>. this now. <laughs> the therapist that I just talked about said that men's brain is boxes. Okay. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that women are spaghetti. <laughs> and I was like, that is so Winding. true. It is true. <laughs> I'm like, that's such a good explanation. Amy, um, I think you have a lot of thoughts sitting there. I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've talked about a whole podcast on sex with Jamie. <laughs> we've talked about how men and women are built differently and how even, even men, you know, you take four or 10 or 200 men you compare them they're not all even alike each other but they mm-hmm. have obviously very different biochemical needs than we do um their drive is different their stress levels are different um but you know most of us still find our husbands sexy it's just mm-hmm. we have a much higher level of thought process that goes into how we feel or the all the things the lists that run on, through our head daily um, we're much more high-level multitaskers, and I think that weighs on us. You know, we think a lot more emotionally, mentally, versus men are just thinking like bare basic needs. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a basic need. Exactly. It's not a, I love you so much, and I think you're so sexy. It's like, yeah, I've got a problem, and you need to fix it. <laughs> it's very <laughs> cut and dry. Um, and I, 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 oh I uh, and I've seen all ways, but um, I think that. You know, women just, it's not like your wifely duty, that's a lot of nonsense. I think that um, women should be excited that their husbands or their boyfriends are still finding them desirable. But I mm-hmm. think that um, there shouldn't be a, someone needs to wait for someone else. It should just be a, if you want it, go get it. Yeah. There shouldn't be a, I'm going to wait for the, the, the moon to rise and the, the owl to hoot, you know, whatever <laughs> sign you're waiting for. You just got to, if you want it, you got to go get it. End of story. <laughs> It's true. I know. I'm very guilty of waiting. And when I pursue, he is so excited. So I have to remember, I have to remember that I'm, I'm not the pursuer and I have to remember how important that is to him. The chances that you're going to get turned down are slim to none. (laughs) Excellent point. (laughs) No fear of rejection. I I love that. Can we jump to money? Yeah, they talk a lot about money. Um, one person tends to be the bigger spender. Who's the bigger spender? Do you fight about money? What did you What did you think of that whole money section in the book? I, the money section was really intriguing to me. Um, I am a shopper. I love to like. I make small but frequent purchases. My husband is not a shopper. 
he literally has, I, I think I finally managed to purge him of all the clothes that he had when, when he was 20, when we met, but um, he's not a shopper, but he likes like pen in the book says he's more of an experienced person. He buys experiences. My husband buys very infrequent, but big purchases, whether it's like a car or a vacation or, you know, some stereo equipment or something. So I would say, you know, money wise, maybe it's, it's fairly equal, but it's, I'm definitely like, love to go out every weekend and buy little things. Like that's just something they were talking about, I don't remember what was, um, invest, like the way you spend has to do with your values. Like that part I really loved because if you think about like, what's really important to you, um, and you should, you should budget for those things. Um, like for someone, it might be an experience or it could be charity. I like that they made that list of like what their values were and see where they intersect and see where they di diverge. Um, that was like the big takeaway, I think, from the book because our values are different. Like I, I like clothes. I like to look nice. So that's, that's where I spend my money. <laughs> and we oh, learned to keep separate fun money. Like I have my fun money. I spend it on my stuff. So I don't ask permission and vice versa. When she spent $750 on cream, <laughs> I literally laughed my ass off. And I was like, the fact that he laughed, I mean, $750. My husband would not laugh, even if I feel like said um, I just returned it. He'd be like, what? You know, I would hope, I would hope that they are making a lot of money and that she, I'm sorry, but maybe she deserves to spend $750 on herself. I don't know. I don't know their finances, but I was like on cream. <laughs> Everyone has their reasons, right? <laughs> but yeah, so for the listeners, if you listen to the audiobook, it's read by Kim and Penn and yes. we get some extra interaction and extra jokes and some jingles and he had a great jingle about the $700 eye cream with the scammer <laughs> at the mall and the kiosk that still had the old name of the old store so oh that's probably partly why he laughed at it and she returned it because it was preparation h for $700 oh my gosh <laughs> crazy. so what would you ladies say was your favorite part of the book Sex and money. Sex and money. <laughs> I think those are uh, probably two main things that most couples fight over, especially exactly. money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think those are probably two of the biggest. Um, and maybe things. not the most talked about. And so it was kind of validating to hear, you know, mm -hmm. another couple, they, everyone's got the same problems. Everyone fights over sex and everyone fights over money or, you know, has issues, deep-seated things, why they do things and why they feel that way. But it's, it's pretty universal that those are going to be the two biggest issues in, in any marriage at some well, point. And I love that they say that. They say that every couple's fighting about similar stuff. I mean, they even write about that. I think that even knowing that just makes it easier and makes you feel like you're not alone. Everybody's mm -hmm. fighting about the same things. Mm -hmm. And learning how to fight better. Well, I, I do like I do like how they normalize a lot of things. They, she knows his deep seated issues. He knows her deep seated issues with anxiety and the depression and the things that might trigger her. And he he's he knows what his role is, like the, the life of the party and the person that's always going to want 
to make people feel good and um you know they know their i guess they know their role but they also are very conscientious of how the other person might be feeling and i like how they're able to really honestly talk about things um that other people wouldn't want to face or address but also they normalize it for us because mm -hmm. they really do have great deep consideration for each other but also you know they kind of see what's coming down the pike and they are able to work harmoniously together which not a lot of couples are able to achieve i mean yeah well and i'm sure it took a lot of work i mean they, this is the whole point of the book is this is what we've learned and we, they had help they had you know their pastor yes guiding them that, along to these that's it's big so it's good that, that they're was, sharing it that was the other really huge thing because um and they didn't i don't know that they really addressed you know um they obviously have a pastor and a, and a very good strong relationship with christopher um but not all of us have one of those types of friendships mm -hmm. or relationships that we can go to someone who's willing or to work spouse with who them. would go to somebody like that's exactly that. correct not yeah. everyone's going to subscribe yeah. to that at all yeah. right um and i think that's a pretty genius uh aspect to put into your play uh, that mm -hmm. not everyone has access to i also think that you when you're reading the book and you're like oh wow they they communicate so well and they grow from all their arguments and they look at things so interestingly it's they're also coming at it from like i think they mentioned it like on when they talk on the podcast like they're coming at it from a different point where you're going to discuss something differently when you're sharing it with public you know the public than if you were just doing it in the privacy of your home so you're going to probably afford your partner a little more grace and understanding than you might if it was just the two of you in a discussion um so sometimes it's it's easier to kind of step back and see the big picture when when you know everyone's watching <laughs> and analyzing and then and you're kind of watching how you're behaving as well I think you kind of check yourself a little more than you might if it was sure. just like an argument at home um, and, and they're also doing a lot of meta communicating or meta what was it yeah. yes meta communication yeah. right because all these things that they're talking about in the book have already happened so they're they're like very enlightened to be able to discuss it at all um mm -hmm. so I right. think that's also very powerful you know they probably have many lessons that they've learned many times over even if people have shared with them you know if they've used those stories before um but just the being able to talk about it I think is is very powerful mm -hmm. well and you both you both brought up the fact that a lot of women are going to relate to this when I say this is a lot of husbands do not want to go to therapy with their wife but if the wife works on stuff it still benefits the marriage because mm -hmm. I feel like even if I work on myself it improves my marriage so yeah. even though it's ideal to go to therapy together or to work on your marriage together I don't think that that's 100% necessary we can still have good progress without yeah. bringing them well and I think a big a big issue for a lot of people who are averse to therapy is that private things should be private so they they don't want to open up to somebody else and feel like somebody else is telling them what to do if you keep it within the relationship and you know you happen to be getting your your information and your tools and your advice outside the relationship that's you know neither here nor there but you're at least sharing it and keeping the work between the two of you it still can work agree so, <laughs> so okay so before we wrap up what is your biggest takeaway that you're going to take to your marriage 
Oh, I said it, there's so many. I said in the beginning, the one that, um, you know, don't place the blame about the accusing, just say like, I feel blah, 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 versus the, you did this or you did that. I, that's my biggest takeaway because it, that's totally me. That's the way I'm like, well, you did this and you did that. And so we come, it always comes back to the sink drain. <laughs> <laughs> I love that example. That's good. I might not be scheduling sex days, but just the scheduling, like fitting in time for dates for, you know, nights where we might spend some time together. Definitely. It's, it, it's not that I haven't thought about it, but it just kind of reinforces that that's sometimes just how you have to go about it, at least to get the ball rolling. <laughs> yes. Yes. What about Jamie? Um, you know, I love communication. I, I think that Anytime someone wants to engage, you have to be able to actively listen, to be willing to compromise and try and be accommodating. Um, you know, I just, I'm, I am interested in and wanting to communicate more. Um, but the, the big thing is, is that, you know, there has to be a willingness to engage. And I, I know that sometimes that's hard to achieve. So continuing to say, I want, I need, and this is because, because um, the because be very, very impactful. I like that. Yeah. That's a good word. I mean, I have so many takeaways. Like I have lists of takeaways. Um, I think one of the things that resonated with me when she is when she was talking about, well, they were both talking about Penn's need for tennis and that mm -hmm. she didn't understand why. And so they really had to talk about what's behind the need. Like, why yeah. is he doing this? Because I think for me, like if we talk about conferences, like, I'll get pissed off and be like, you are not traveling again. Well, right, but understand him. Like, ask him questions about what do you, what do you get out of this? What is, why is this a need? I think sometimes I react instead of just trying to understand him better. So mm -hmm. that, that was really helpful for me. I agree. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for talking <laughs> about this book. Here's the book for everybody looking. Um, everybody watching. I liked reading it, but I liked listening to it better. They are so fun to listen to. Yeah. I yes. like the jingles. And I got to say, I love a football guy. Go Bells, unfortunately. <laughs> 13 oh seconds. Gosh. Oh got to throw gosh. that in there. You got to <laughs> throw that in there. Well, thank you for your time, ladies. This was so much fun to talk to you about the book. Thank you. Thank you fun. for initiating. We love you. Love you. This is Rebecca Green reminding everyone to spend every day laughing, learning, and loving. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>